Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. All right. Hello there. This is Lauren Heath. I am the empathpreneur filling in for Josh Carey on the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. And I am so, so incredibly stoked, excited, honored to be sitting here with Larry Roberts. Larry is amazing. He is an Amazon number one best-selling author, top-rated Udemy course creator, coach, facilitator, thought leader in the podcast industry. So I know we had talked about you are now sitting on the opposite side. How is it feeling to be on the interviewee side of things, Larry? It's, it's kind of intimidating if I'm being honest, you know, but hey, with that introduction, I started feeling more and more comfortable, although... My headphones did get a little tighter as my head was swelling with all those kind words you were saying. So thank you very much for the intro. I appreciate it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Larry, I'm just going to jump right into the big thing that is on my mind. You are going through a really big change right now, right? On January 4th, you left your corporate job. I did. 21 years, same company, IT professional, and I walked away bigger than day. That is a huge deal, not something that you take in lightly. So kind of walk us through, you know, what led you to making that decision? 21 years is a long time. It is a long time. And, you know, and, and so there were so many, I mean, it's 21 years. That is a, a for some, it's a long, long time. It's hard to even comprehend how long it is when I think about it. And I hate the fact that I can comprehend it because that just means I'm old. But, <laughs> <laughs> but man, walking away from something like that, I, even now, if I sit here and think about it and I look back on the times that I was there that were just tremendous. I mean, I spent half my life with this place and there's so many fond memories. There's so many tremendous experiences, so much growth, so much support. Uh, it, it, it's just mind blowing, but let's pump the brakes a little bit. Things do tend to evolve. They do tend to change. And uh, environment in corporate America was getting um, less. I, I, I hated it. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was trying to say less appealing, but no, less appealing is not it. I just, I just flat out hated it. And uh, it's, it's just one of those situations where I knew I had to do something. I just didn't know what it was. And I've always been kind of a side hustle kind of guy. You know, I, I've, I've, I can think back. 
this is a horrible story to share, but this is how entrepreneurial uh, focused I was even as a kid. You know, I don't know. Uh, we used to go to the skating rink when I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12. I'd, Mom would drop me off on a Thursday or Friday night and I'd hang out there until she came and got me. And I, I know this is horrible. I, I would sell parsley joints to people. They were parsley because I don't know if you know this, but parsley smells very similar to the real deal when it's burning. Of course, there's no effects whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, that was one of my first in, <laughs> first entrepreneurial endeavors that I can remember is selling parsley joints at the skating rink. So uh, thankfully, I found a better focus and things are going a lot more uh, legal now. But, <laughs> but I've had a swimming pool company. I've had online companies before. I've always done some side work as far as graphic design goes and graphic art. And that's Sort of thing. So I've always had some sort of hustle going and uh, it was just something that I loved. And I had the opportunity with my swimming pool company uh, and it was 10, 12 years ago, but I was too scared to take the leap from corporate America then to going into entrepreneurship full time. And I still liked corporate America back then too. So I wasn't overly motivated to, to leave this cush job that I've got with a guaranteed paycheck to jump into running a swimming pool company full time, you know, as a repair company. And I had built it from zero, no clients. I, I ground up to uh, around 50, 55 clients uh, by the time I sold. So it was a great opportunity for me to learn a lot about business and learn a lot about entrepreneurship and really see some of the ins and outs and some of the things that you needed to know that I didn't know going in. So tremendous learning experience. But again, it came to the point where corporate America just it lost its, its shine and there were new people involved. There's new attitudes that are out there. There's everything has evolved and changed and well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And so I wasn't learning all these new tricks and <laughs> some folks didn't care for that. So I was like, look, they're either going to get rid of me or I got to get rid of myself. So off we go. And here I am today. So I put a little drama on there. It really wasn't that bad, but you know, <laughs> Everyone loves a little drama. I yeah. love I love that you said, you know, you know, two years ago. So what's the difference between now and two years ago? Like like aside from, you know, obviously now you didn't particularly enjoy, you hated what you were doing. Why did you decide now to make the leap? Why not two years ago? I guess I'm I'm with you now. And uh, I made the leap now because uh, a, I have a tremendous support system in my wife. She's supporting me finally a hundred percent in my entrepreneurial endeavors. She has, she's a very old school in the fact that she likes those paychecks and we know when those paychecks are coming and they're guaranteed. And she's not one to enjoy the hustle and the bustle of entrepreneurship and the constant networking and reaching out, meeting new people, establishing new contacts, etc. She wants to go to work from eight to five, do her job, come home and hang out with me the dogs and that's what she loves to do and that's great but she doesn't understand or she hasn't understood up until recently how someone can feel really the direct opposite where i didn't like going eight to five i didn't like just knowing that paycheck was there it was very hard for me to stay motivated in this same drudgery and then you know i, I mentioned 21 years but let's face facts. Uh, I, I'm 48. I got about another 20 years before I can retire. So I'm sitting there in my cubicle, hating life thinking, Oh God, I just did a 21 year bid 
you know, like a prison sentence. And uh, I'm, I got another one I got to live through. I got to do this again. And I'm just like, dude, it's, it was unfathomable to me to even consider staying in that environment. I needed to get out. I needed to do something where I felt that I was living, and this sounds so cheesy, living my best life. And I believe this environment is by far my best life. And I'll give an example as to why. As you mentioned, the fourth was my last day in corporate America. So I've, I've been out now, what, 11 days out? Well, I didn't come out. <laughs> I, I came out of corporate. Um, but I can't tell you how many times I've already skipped through the house while fist pumping the air out of pure excitement and pure joy. And um, I never experienced that in corporate America. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, man. Things line up. Your, your network gets to, to a certain point where you know you've got this tremendous support group and you can help others. They're helping you and everybody grows. And this was the opportunity to do it. Uh, I, I, did, I didn't see anything changing to make it better or worse. I mean, it couldn't get any better, honestly. And I hate to say this because we're sitting here in the midst of COVID. Uh, and, and honestly, I was already thinking of leaving corporate America last year and then COVID hits and I'm like, Oh God. And this is a selfish response here, but it was, I'm stuck here again. Now I can't even leave. What am I going to do during all of this? Everything is shutting down. Everybody's going to be losing their jobs. It's such a horrible time. And for the vast majority of the country it is. And I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but as a podcaster and a content creator, COVID changed things uh it increased the demand for what we're doing it increased the demand for support of others it increased the demand of content being created regularly so i saw a tremendous spike in the opportunities that were there and you know one of the things that i i, I attribute to what little success i've already experienced uh is i show up and COVID gave us opportunities to show up opportunities that I would not have had otherwise. You know, I managed to get on a couple of uh, virtual events as a speaker. They were smaller events, but guess what? They grew, they grew into bigger events. Now I've spoke at PodFest twice. Of course, I'll be speaking at PodFest again in March. Uh, I'm working directly with Chris Kremitzos of PodFest. We're contracted to each other. We're building four courses together. I mean, who, I, I can't even imagine. And you heard the story that I told, we're, here we are, we're in PodMax today. And so this is kind of a, a special event or a special episode to, to, the, to the hidden entrepreneur not because I'm here, but just because of the event. But you heard me talking earlier when we were in the other room about how it feels like things have come full circle. I started podcasting about five and a half years ago. A gentleman by the name of Cliff Ravenscraft was known back then as the podcast answer man. And I just kind of, I was kind of drawn to the way that he taught and the way that he spoke and the, the products and services that he offered. And I bought his courses and, and was all over his website and just followed him. And yesterday, out of the blue, yesterday, out of the blue, talking to my wife while she's cooking dinner, and suddenly my phone goes off, and it says, Cliff Ravenscraft followed you. And I'm like, what? This is a guy that, although he doesn't know it, he taught me all about podcasting. He just followed me? And I'm standing there talking to my wife and I kind of get a little misty. I'm an emotional kind of guy. All right. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. I cry a lot, but this thing, man, when I saw that, I was like, 
got to be a mistake. Why would Cliff Ravenscraft follow me? This is insane. So um, I was already scheduled to do a podcast with a, with, a, with a fellow podcaster that's heavily involved in the community and the podcasting family. Uh, Jenny Wren Stotrip is her name. And uh, we were doing a live Facebook kind of podcast thing. Told her the story about how Cliff was my, my somewhat mentor and he followed me and I couldn't believe what had happened. Well, we did our podcast. We go over into Clubhouse and there we are. I was co-hosting with Jenny and we had, I don't know, 25, 30, maybe more people in the room. And out of nowhere, who joins the room? Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm like, I saw him come in the room and I kind of swallowed. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. I can't believe he's in the room. I'm up here as a moderator and Cliff Ravenscraft is in a room that I'm moderating. And Jenny being the little comedian that she is says, you know what, Larry, I think you need to share that story again, but this time you can share it with exactly who it's about. And I'm like, Jenny, come on, man. So bottom line, uh, we bring Cliff Ravenscraft up to the stage uh, and it was a clubhouse room, as I mentioned. And I told that story about just the tremendous blessing it was. This sounds so cheesy, but it just is so true to see Cliff Ravenscraft randomly follow me. And I'm telling him, I'm telling him the story and I'm so good to get up and I get put it together. It's just nuts, man. And uh, it turns out someone referred me to Cliff, said, hey, Cliff, you need to follow this guy. You need to bring him into your circle. He's a great guy for this and that. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I'm just saying that's exactly what Cliff Ravenscraft told me in this room with tears. Thank God uh, Clubhouse is only audio and not video, too, because, you know, I'm saying your tears are running on my face and I'm still choking back. <laughs> trying to sound cool, but trying to sound so grateful and trying to appreciate the moment and just take it all in and you know lauren where else are you going to experience that that's not going to happen as i sit in a cubicle and stare at the prison gray walls never going to happen this was so tremendous and it's just such a blessing to be a part of oh yeah and i think you should toot your own horn by the way because you're such an exceptional human and the fact that you know you were vulnerable is amazing and the fact that you decided to take this leap and go out of prison. So you called it and, you know, you're able to better show up for your family, your audience. Like if, like you said, if you had still been in corporate America, would you have been in that mindset that was put, you know, putting yourself out there constantly in your free time? Like you probably would have been more exhausted. And so it's like by taking that leap and investing into yourself, like all these things are falling into place. I'm a firm believer in manifestation. I do believe that you know, you decided you invested in yourself January 4th is your last day. And then these things are happening right after, like, there's a reason for that as I, it's corny as it does sound like it's all coming to you. And I think that is amazing. And you're so, so deserving of that. So good job. And I'm, I'm really, really excited for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate all those really, really kind words. And, you know, I, 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 I guess you're right. I have to say you're right. I can't debate that because not that I'm awesome. I'm not, I'm, I am, I'm not saying that I'm just saying that things manifest themselves and I can't debate that the manifestation is, is occurring right now after taking that, that, that step away from my prison cell, uh, and, and entering into this new world, this new lifestyle, honestly, of entrepreneurship and to see these things come to fruition. It's, it's just an amazing journey and I'm extremely humbled by it. So. I love it. 
So I wanted to bring up something that I don't know much about. So I'm excited to be learning this from you, you know, live right here and now. Um, I know that you've spoken about how you made a big change in your life and you stopped drinking. I know that you had, um, you know, some, you know, issues there and, you know, you made that change and then it just changed your life. Tell us more about, you know, why did you make that decision? What kind of transformation did you go through and how did that affect your life and your business and everything? Well, I, I honestly, I didn't make the decision. The decision was made for me. Uh, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. And uh, it was back in 13. So it's, I guess we're coming up on eight years now was when it happened. And that was kind of my, my, my last, well, it was my last year of, of being an alcoholic in the fact that uh, July of that year, I had gone into the hospital with alcohol poisoning, spent three days in there. I uh, had to get rehydrated and all that fun stuff. Everything worked out, but here I am. And, and this is a testament to one of the flip sides of being 21 years with corporate America is during this time in my life, they were there for me. They supported me. They didn't judge me. They didn't criticize me. They didn't punish me. This was a tremendous testament to some of the values of actually being in corporate America and establishing the relationships, because I know so many other companies would not have tolerated this, but I had the relationships that I'd put in place. And that sort of relationship building is the path that I'm on now with podcasting, but I digress. So I was in the hospital for three or four days there with alcohol poisoning. Yeah, I think it was July. And I get out and I go back and, and uh, I would say my boss at the time, he's the vice president of, of IT operations for this. It's a global company. And uh, I, he, we're good friends, but he brought me into his office. He goes, Hey, he goes, uh, you might be telling everybody else you got some food poison or some nonsense, but I know why you are in the hospital. And here's the scene. It's either if it happens again, you're either going to get help or you're going to get out. It's, it's, that's the choice. You've got that choice. So I said, okay, cool, man. I'm sober. I'll be sober. I'm going to stay sober. Blah, 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 blah. Even offered to do breathalyzer tests at work, get buy my own breathalyzers. I go, see, I'm sober, man. But um, yeah, that worked for about two months and then it went off the rails and it went so far off the rails uh, that I found myself out of work again sitting out of work. Uh, I was still employed, but I was sitting out of the office calling in sick for like three weeks straight. And I was on this tremendous uh, three week bender. And I was just, that's pretty much all I did was drink. I just drank over this three weeks and it had built up that year because it had kind of gotten to the point before I sat out these three weeks that I'm talking about, it had gotten to the point where I was doing shots in the morning. I was finding reasons to come home at lunch because I, I work in the same town that I live in and it's a small area. And I would, I, instead of going to lunch with the guys, I'd go, Oh, you know, I gotta go check on the dogs or some nonsense. And I would come home and I'd do two or three shots and then I'd go back to work and then five o'clock, get off, come home. And it was just drink until you pass out. It was a complete numbing and, and, and a, a complete escape from my day-to-day -day life. Um, but at the end of this three weeks and people call BS on things like this all the time. I know I did up until the time that it happened to me. I'm drunk as drunk can be. I probably haven't changed clothes in who knows four or five days, probably haven't moved off the couch in same period of time other than to get up and take more uh, gin. Uh, gin was my drink of choice. 
I know some people go, ew, gross, but hey, it worked, whatever. So, <laughs> and it was cheap. So, you know, you, you could put back a lot of it. Um, but anyways, I'm sitting there and I, at this point, I was going through some serious emotional turmoil. Uh, I, I hated everything. And then I was just boohooing. And I don't remember a whole lot of it, to be honest with you. But my wife, she has told me that it was just the, the worst thing ever. I would call her drunk as can be. And uh, I would try to talk to her but i'm just she hated the fact that you know of course she hates that and she's like you're saying i wanted to choke you to death um <laughs> thankfully she didn't but uh, another testament to the fact that she stuck by my side during all this and, and helped me uh, pull through but anyways again sitting there on the couch week three maybe i had a special k morning uh, shake drink in me the rest was all alcohol and things started feeling a little desperate uh, you know, of course, physically, I felt like crap, of course. Uh, but emotionally and mentally, I started feeling desperate. And it came in a moment, just boom. I'm telling you, it was so clear. This voice said, here's the scene, dude. Get up. Get help. Right now, tomorrow's not going to come. So you got two choices. You can either get help or we'll, we'll check you on the flip side because tomorrow you won't be sitting on that couch. So clear, Lauren. I, 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 I can't stress it enough just how the moment of clarity was. And I reached out to one of my best friends. I said, dude, Kenny, I need help. I'm about to die. And I know that for a fact I was. Kenny, in turn, he worked with us as well at the same company. So he goes over to my wife's area. He goes, hey, Larry just called. He is dying for help. He's, he's scared, blah, 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 blah. Put things into motion. Next thing I know, the two of them are at the house. Uh, they're sweeping me away, and they had made arrangements already to uh, send me to a rehab facility. And I was very blessed in the fact that this wasn't like a state-run rehab facility. Uh, this was a it's one of the premier facilities in the state of Texas, and it's only because, once again, of the relationships that I had in place already because my boss, the VP of IT, who had told me I was going to get help or get out, he just happened to be neighbors with one of the doctors that runs the this, this rehab facility. So uh, it's, it's a very... Uh, it's a very expensive facility, but they negotiated and because I didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, and, but you know what? Here, here we go with the manifestation. This is kind of interesting because um, three weeks before this, three weeks, three years before this, I'm sorry, my grandma passed away. Actually, four years. It was 2009. And um, although I didn't know it, I knew she had oil royalties that she would get. And uh, the times I had seen them as a kid, they were nothing, 25 bucks here, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Wasn't exactly bringing in any big cash. For some reason, this company reaches out to me and goes, we've been trying to find you for the last three years. Uh, this account has X in it, and it we're looking for your grandma. I said, well, she passed away, but I'm the sole heir. So I stumbled on this cash of cash. Now, it wasn't millions of dollars or anything, but it was significant, uh, at least especially for me, more than I had ever had in my life. But now we turn and we go, okay, you got this cash. Now suddenly, what are you doing? Now you can afford to go to this rehab place. Even though it was still, they'd set it up at a discounted rate. Uh, I still had to pay. I didn't get to go for free. And I wouldn't have had the money in any way, shape, fashion, or form if it was about a year earlier when I got that call and said, you have this amount of money. 
and it's available to you. So Lauren, that right there, I wouldn't be here today. Most likely if that hadn't happened, you know, cause I wouldn't have been able to afford it. I don't, I don't care how much you discount the place. I couldn't afford it. So I had the money to go to get the help that I needed to make it a successful turnaround. And uh, going back to the actual day that it happened, they got me to the facility and I was so far gone that the facility couldn't keep me. Uh, here's the new guy in rehab and what's happening. The ambulance is coming to rehab to take this guy away because they can't stabilize my vitals. So they stick me in the ambulance. Off I go to the spittle and they get me stabilized. I'm there for four or five days and I'm not sure exactly how long it was uh, because all I can really remember from this day is that I wanted out very, very badly. And I was on a floor and my room was there's like a, the whole floor, but there's rooms on the in, inner part of the room of the floor. So you can walk around the whole thing like an oval, like an oval track type scenario. And they said, we'll release you when you can make a full lap around the, the floor. And I remember this bigger than day. Uh, it, it had 12 inch tiles on the floor, hospital tiles. Right. So I remember staring down at the floor and talking to myself, follow the line, follow the line, stay on the line, stay on the line, stay on the line. And I'm dizzy. I remember fighting it because I still hadn't regained uh, my equilibrium. Everything was still off, but I'm sitting here, just follow it because I wanted out so bad. Thankfully, I made the lap. Woohoo! So now what are we doing? We're headed off to rehab. So now I get to rehab and they stick me in their recovery facility there. So I'm in there for a week. Not really still comprehending what the heck is going on. Uh, some other people came in and their stories looked worse than mine at the time. I'm like, dude, that dude, I don't know what he went through, but he, he, he took a whooping. So it was, it was, it was kind of scary, man. Some people coming in here looking pretty rough. So I'm, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm getting sober. I don't know how to deal with this. I'm having withdrawals. I'm shaky. I'm just, it was horrid. And then finally I get up and, and, and I still, I still remember walking into the, 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 the main room of this facility and, some girl was laying on a couch and I, this is my first memory as I look down and she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I go, Hey, and she just goes, Hey, <laughs> and then I walked off. It's so, it's so cheesy, but that's just the, that's the baby steps that it took to get things reintroduced. Right. And I already had a reputation at the facility because what happened when I got there, the ambulance came and took me away. So people are already talking mad smack. You know, they're laughing at me, pointing, ah, that's the ambulance guy. So anyway, it turned out to be a tremendous seven weeks of my life. It was only scheduled for six, but that's after that sixth week, I was talking to my wife. I go, you know what? I know you want me to come home and I, I want to go home. And I said, don't, don't misread this, but I'm not ready. Mm. I, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't come back yet. I said, I need, need another week. And so I took another week and came to grips with everything and really started gearing my mindset be towards, uh, towards transitioning back out into real life, real sober life. Uh, and after that seventh week, I stepped out. Uh, I've, to this day, not had a sip of anything alcoholic, not even cold beer. Uh, it doesn't, and that's what we call it in Texas is cold beer. It's not just beer, it's cold beer. <laughs> So, <laughs> so no, I ain't had a cold beer one. Nothing, no alcohol has crossed these lips since I stepped out of rehab that eight years ago. And uh, it's been a tremendous recovery journey on my part, whether it's physically uh, or whether it's emotionally or whether it's mentally, there's been recovery across the board. 
And I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in the fact that I'm one of the people that believe that once something's over, it's over. There were two different uh, schools of thought in this particular rehab facility. One of them was, of course, AA, tried and true, right? Another one's called SMART, which was self-management and recovery training. And the difference between the two is AA, it's essentially a lifestyle to stay sober. SMART has an end to it. It has a goal. Once you reach that goal, guess what? I don't tell people I'm an alcoholic anymore. I don't claim to be an alcoholic anymore because I'm not, you know, I'm a monster holic. I have a monster in my hand right now. I do love my monsters, but I'm not an alcoholic and I'm not about to stand in front of a group of people and I'm not judging those that do. It works for some people, but for me personally, I'm not going to stand up in front of, of people and proclaim something that I'm not. And I am not an alcoholic that did not define my life. It defined a time, but it didn't define my life. And that's something that I hold dear to my heart in the fact that smart, let me reach a point where now I'm done. I'm over it. I've accomplished my goal. And I haven't been to a single support meeting or anything along those lines since I stepped out. And I don't stay, say that to brag. I just say that because that's my mindset. I was back of with the mindset of being able to determine my future myself. And because of rehab, I, I did that. And I determined that I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to be an alcoholic anymore. I'm going to be a, a contributing member to society. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I am going to be the best person that I can possibly be and reach out to people. I'm going to be a connector. I'm going to hopefully influence others, not in the level of old Gary V or anybody like that, but hopefully I can influence a few people to maybe take the same steps that I took or similar steps to what I took and find that same level of internal peace justification for existence and even you know hint of success in in what you're doing so uh that's that's the story man that's where i come from and uh again about eight years ago so it was uh, a wild ride but everything just kind of seemed to work like you're saying it just manifested itself and uh, everything fell into place for me to be able to get the help that i got or otherwise i don't i don't know if another facility would have been as successful maybe it would have maybe it wouldn't have but I, I, I just, I, it was so ironic too, because I ended up knowing the groundskeeper of the facility. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, he worked for me. Get this. He worked for me at my pool company. He was my route guy. He was an older gentleman. And I had gone through a couple of route guys because those young pups, you know, they get out there and they're just looking to whatever, hang out at the pool all summer and not do a good job. Not Mr. Gary here, Mr. Gary, he did a phenomenal job. And I show up at the facility and I'm, I look out there and I see somebody because they had a pool at the facility as well. Never got to go in it because I was there in the winter. But I see Gary out there working. I'm like, is that Gary? So I went out there and I go, dude, what are you doing here? He goes, no, what are you doing here? You know? So it's like, man, now here I am in rehab. I know somebody and they know my story. They know, they know me personally. And it was just so ironic. So there again, manifestation, uh, manifesting additional support because of course, Gary, we were great friends and he's like, man, I'm here for you. If you need anything, let me know, you know, and, and I'll see if I can't get you fixed up, whatever you need, let me know. He supported me throughout my entire, it was just tremendous. It was just it was everything said, Larry, this is the path that you need to be on. And it was just confirmed time and time again. 
Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. That is an incredible story. And I feel like I had so many aha moments where now I feel like, you know, I understand you so much better. And I, I feel like I see why now that you are such a connector, a bridge builder, and you're just so giving and you always want to help people and share your knowledge and share your resources. You know, I've taken your course, uh, which is a great course, by the way. Um, you know, and I just love how, how giving and open you are. And it makes so much sense. You know, those relationships that you had in your corporate job literally saved your life in a way. And oh, no, not in a way, a hundred percent, the relationship saved my life. I wouldn't be talking to you right now if it wasn't for the relationships that I had already established in that environment. And I think that's the, that's one of the biggest, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to reinforce the fact that it was the relationships that made it possible. And the relationships are what put me in this seat right now, talking to you. I wouldn't have this opportunity if it wasn't for relationships and knowing others and having a support system and having people like Josh and Eric from the Podmax group and everybody else, everybody that's in the group today or in this session today are tremendous, tremendous individuals. And I can't imagine not knowing each and every one of you. I love it. So beautiful. Okay. So I have to ask you, so one big win I've been listening to it. It's great. It's, I love it. And I love that you're posting, you know, clips of it on readily random. So what inspired one big win and why did you kind of make that, you know, shift or change? One big win was my attempt to niche down a little bit further. Uh, really kind of give some direction to the show. Uh, as, as, I don't know if you said it or not, but my previous show was readily random and my company, I have an LLC, Readily Random Media. That's the name of my business. Uh, I love that name, Readily Random. It was a lot of fun for me because it, it dates back all the way to MySpace. And I had a blog on MySpace called Readily Random where I would just talk about whatever. Well, and that was the gist behind the Readily Random podcast was it gave me access to tell stories of others uh, that had gone through a recovery process, whether it was drugs, whether it was alcohol, whether they overcame uh, a physical limitation or a, a horrible accident in their life or a, a moment of loss that they overcame and fought back with. That was the original concept for Readily Random. But it evolved over time, and it wasn't just those types of stories that were being told. I started being able to interview some higher-profile-type guests that I looked up to. I'm like, wow, I get to talk to this guy because I have a podcast? This is insane. You know, I was like, I have read every book this lady has, and here I am 
interviewing her on my podcast because I have a podcast. So, you know, it started really reinforcing the power of podcasting for me. And the show evolved into an eclectic blend of recovery and inspiration. And, you know, they're even some of the more recent episodes really with a, with a pretty hardcore entrepreneur uh, feel to them as well. And, I loved it and I still love it. And actually, uh, full, dis- full, full disclosure here, I'm debating whether or not to kill one big win and go back to readily random full time. And, and there's, there's some interesting lessons that I've learned because I just launched one big win in November. And again, behind it was your question. Why did you do that? What's behind the one big win? It was in an effort to niche down further because as a, as a, a podcast strategist and as a podcast launch coach, uh, I tell folks one thing primarily, you got a niche, you know, the riches are in the niches. And uh, when I preach that and then I go, Oh yeah, my show is called readily random. You go, what, what's the niche for random? That's not niche at all. So here I am giving advice on what the best way is to launch your podcast or find podcasting success. And my show is doing the direct opposite. So I I felt kind of uh, like a fraudster, you know, I thought, man, I can't be preaching this sermon and then not following through on my own gospel. And, you know, that happens a lot and maybe even in a church. Um, <laughs> I was raised, <laughs> I was, I went to a private school my whole life. So I was raised <laughs> in a Christian school and, and in and out of the church quite a bit, but that's a whole nother story. But uh, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't keep doing it. I had to do something to make me feel like I'm supporting my own advice it's just, I, I can't preach one sermon and then like say, live a totally different life. So I was looking for a way to niche down and I, I, I ran it past my podcasting coach because I believe everything we do, we need a coach, man. You got to have a coach. And I still have a podcasting coach to this day. David Hooper is his name. Tremendous guy wrote a book by the name of big podcast. He's one of the cat daddies when it comes to the podcast game. And I just happened to meet him at Podfest in the last physical event of last year. Uh, podcast was in March of last year in Florida. I happened to be there, happened to sit down at this guy's table. He just happened to be named David Hooper. And when I found out his backstory, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is unreal. I said, I need to hire you. And so I did. And we've been good pals ever since, but uh, he agreed that I I needed to, to maybe change directions a bit, but he hasn't necessarily agreed with every step that I've taken. So, uh, you know, I, I look at some of the scenarios that I'm dealing with right now, for instance, I haven't released content on readily random in about three months, aside from the teaser episodes that you mentioned a minute ago. And I've only been doing that for the last two weeks. So there's only two teaser episodes for one big win on readily random. I've published roughly 18 ish episodes of one big win. I launched with 15 right out the gate. Meaning as soon as it went live, I had 15 episodes in the queue, but for some reason, and I know why now I'm learning why, Readily random is kicking one big win's tail left, right, upside down, and sideways as far as the downloads go. So I'm sitting here going, man, I've got all this great content, and I'm not tuning my horn there. I'm tuning my guest's horn because I have some tremendous people that were on the podcast sharing their story, sharing their insight, and they're sitting there on one big win, but readily random is crushing it. 
I did the math, and it wasn't very difficult to do because it was a factor of literally 10. Readily random is still producing 10 times the engagement that one big win is generating. So, you know, I have to look at certain things. It, did I really need a niche? I've had readily random for two and a half, three years now. Uh, I'd have to look back, the, uh, back at the exact date. Uh, it's been around. It's established. If you look up Larry Roberts' podcast on Google, guess what? There's two, two and a half pages of Larry Roberts and what? Readily random. You don't even see one big win to like page three of the Google results. So of course, if anybody's looking it up, they're going to find me there. All the SEO is in place for readily random. It's getting all of the attention. It's getting all of the insights as, as far as online goes. So, you know, I, I'm wondering now if I shouldn't kill one big win, go back with readily random full time and really kind of capitalize on the fact that I am, I'm aware of, that I'm doing something completely opposite to what I'm telling others to do, but kind of use that as a spin on the fact that, Hey guys, I realize, I know I made a mistake calling it readily random. I know, I know, but here's why it's bad. And here's why I'm keeping it. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do there. Uh, I, I, it's in the air and I'm looking to, to make that decision in the next week or so, but uh, we'll see how it goes. If for some reason, you know, one big win just starts crushing it, uh, then we'll hang around and, and, and we'll love it. But uh, Otherwise, I think I'm going to be forced to a, to a degree to go back to the Readily Random podcast. Not that I hate that or anything. It's just, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. I love that you shared that. And I love just how open you are about it. And I think it's really great that, you know, you have Readily Random. You're trying and have tried one big win. And you're okay with going back and saying, you know what? I tried that. Didn't work how I thought. I'm just going to come back over here. Like, there's something so beautiful about just owning our, I'm going to use the word mistake. I'm not saying that one big win oh, is yeah, a mistake, but you know, owning like things that don't work out the way that we hoped it. I think that's beautiful and amazing. And I think just like owning readily random, like, yeah, it's random. Do as I say, not as I do. Like, <laughs> that's. <laughs> but mom, why? Because I said. I said so. <laughs> exactly. Then Larry Roberts. And I say so. <laughs> So yeah, man, that's, that's, that's the journey. That's the story, at least over the last eight years. Uh, you know, there's so many other things that contributed to, I wouldn't say my alcoholism, everything that I'd done prior to that was really the opposite of finding myself in such a hole. Uh, I've always tried to achieve. I've always tried to accomplish things that I set my mind to. And uh, I'm the type of guy that when I do get my eye on a prize, man, I, I go for it. I, I don't like being number two. I like being number one. And I like being recognized as, you know, one of the top cats in the game. Uh, and and I, I obviously I do that in all aspects, including drinking. I was one of the worst drunks that there ever was. So, I mean, I, I won that game too, didn't I? <laughs> I love it. You are so exceptional, Larry. I, it's been such an honor talking, talking with you. And I know this was, uh, you know, you haven't been on the other side of the mic very often. And it was just an honor and a, a pleasure to chat with you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, and thank you for being connected with me. I love the fact that we have connected. Uh, I believe it was through Podmax initially. And I'm thankful for that connection. Thankful for your friendship and thankful for this opportunity to be on the show. 
All right. Thanks, everyone. See you next episode. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.